It's the 8th of, uh, what is it, February? February, so that must mean you are listening to the Motorhead Monthly Podcast, the only Motorhead Monthly Podcast on the internet, and pretty much the only Motorhead Podcast as well. We've got that market snapped down, man. We should be getting sponsored by someone from that Motorhead camper. But anyway, we're not doing this for the money, we're doing this for the fandom. Speaking of which, we had an interview last month with a Motorhead fan who just also happens to be one of the last few remaining rock and rollers of our time, Danko motherfucking Jones. If you haven't heard that, go listen to it. I recommend. I, I would because I'm the one who recorded and edited the whole thing, so you know. But if you have, hey, listen to it again. If you've never heard Danko Jones before, go get those albums. But that was last month. We're back to the format now of album to album. And this month we're looking at rock and roll. I do all the stats, the intro, the, you know, the word chart placed, who did what on it, yada yada. That's all covered in the episode itself. I'll probably just mention here before we do, I'm trying new recording equipment here. So I think it sounds fine. But there is a bit where we lost the first, like, what? half a minute we were talking about all for you and it starts playing all for you for no reason i don't think it's that jarring and we'll probably be judged by the song itself anyway but yeah uh, look out for that listen to the rest of the episode and the archive of episodes on top or wherever you get your podcasts from and do enjoy this month's episode of motorhead monthly the only motorhead podcast and we are rolling I've got notes for this, but I've got something almost as good as this. So, we're back with Rock and Roll 1987. Phil Campbell and Wurzel still on guitars, but we do not have Pete Gill on drums anymore. We've got Filthy Taylor back. Filthy Phil the Animal Taylor on this album, engineered by Guy Bridemead and produced by Motorhead and Guy Bidmead. Which only cheek the charts, cheekily chopped the charts, top the charts at peak position, thirty four. It's not bad. It's not bad for an album that everyone involved said like, look, it was what it was. You know, it wasn't our best, it wasn't our worst. Yeah, I think there is quite a few things with this album. Like, it's, I still don't understand the story of that about how Pete Gill left. Okay, so out. we might have covered this in the last in the sacrifice episode, but in case anyone missed the that one. Oh, Gasmatron, sorry, yeah. Jumping the gun a bit there. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so what happened to Pete Gill then? This sto- <laughs> so the story goes. The story I've heard from Phil Campbell where there was a misunderstanding between Lemmy and Pete regarding a taxi. So I think Pete was waiting in the taxi outside and Lemmy was in the hotel they were in. And then Pete stormed in to say, you're making an arse of me, making me wait. And apparently Lem was, like, was he didn't know he was outside. <laughs> so it's something bizarre like that. But anyway, it was enough where he left and had enough. So uh, we've got in the in the studio book, there's not a lot of stuff in the studio on this album, but there is a quote from Drummer Freak Girl. And uh, he says, and I quote... Fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely loved uh, my time in the band, especially the playing. It was awesome. Lemmy and myself had some bitter disagreements, usually over his selfishness, punctuality, and trying to bend the rules. However, on stage, it was a match made in heaven, and he worked like a Trojan. My motto is, if I'm going to push myself to the limits every night, so are you. And he did. I left the band after a very acrimonious fight with Lemmy. I was not, as he said in his rather pathetic book, Fired. He also made other derogatory remarks, which again were all untrue, 
The day I left the band, I was so very upset at his attitude when I had given my all 24-7. I decided enough was enough and decided not to play again. Sad I know, but something just clicked and on that day my heart told me to walk away from the life I had loved ever since I was 15. Oh well, happy memories for me and I hope for a lot of other people. So it sounds that was like a big argument, but if it's that big an argument, you would have thought someone would have mentioned it or brought it up since. I think it's one of those things. It must have been boiling over for for a while. I, just when he's saying about his punctuality and, and everything, like it's it's probably like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, rather but you than don't tell like Lemmy what to fucking do, you know? Especially when you're like the second drummer in the third lineup of this band. Mm. Know your place. Suppose, but... I think it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, you can't side against Lemmy. I, I don't think anyone could or should. It's a very sweeping statement there. <laughs> <laughs> so Phil's back in uh, in a decision which Lemmy himself says was uh, a good idea at the time, but not in the long run. Like he shouldn't have ever yeah. done it. I think it shows on Orgasmatron that there is something missing with the drums. They're very well played, but it's a lot of the fills and a lot more complicated parts like it's <laughs> Pete Gill's like fantastic on that album as being play this mm-hmm. plays along to it perfectly but it's missing some of those more elaborate sort of fills that yeah, Phil Taylor brings now, yeah. into stuff so let's get to the album let's have a look at the cover we're going from the LP which was released by GWR GWR one light away from Guar oh that's a monster look at that do you know what it's you never get it looking at the CD version, but if you look right at the bottom, there's like figures, oh, like dudes fighting with swords. Yeah, yeah. I got like you can see like the saliva detail of the tongue, and they put some skulls in there. That's awesome. Yeah, it is cool. But apparently the I, I never get this guy's name right. Joe Pangano is it? Pangano. Yeah. Anyway, the artist on there, he said it should have been going up rather than down the band are like no it's 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 coming down like a bomb <laughs> or something it should be going down yeah. well, anyway there was a disagreement there as well and then it was like oh fuck it <laughs> welcome home like filthy it says on the back and mm. by the way if you had a face like mine you'd punch me right on the nose and i'm just the guy to do it okay recorded at master rock and redwood london some familiar places there does it say in the book like how long it took to record? It doesn't, but they say it was a bit of an arduous process because uh, the guy they, they hired, what's his name I just said, was not an um, experienced producer. He just worked with the guy who they worked with on the last album. Ah, right. So they ended up calling most of the shots themselves. Okay, so this one took like three weeks to record rather than two. Oh, yeah, and it was uh, just chucked it together at the last moment kind of thing. But they did get some, I think, some good songs out of it. It's hit and miss. It's more hit and miss than Orgasmatron was. A thing of interest to his notes, which actually we'll, we'll talk about that later when it comes mm-hmm. up. Because it's about halfway through the album. I think I've got the CD of this somewhere and I, I enjoyed it a lot as a youth. Can we, can we listen to some of these songs? I'm curious. Yes. Yeah. The first what's, one what's the first one on it? Rock and roll. Oh, what's the, what's the, is there anything on the inlay? Um, there's a load of pictures of the band and the lyrics. Oh, lyrics and stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, There's... There's Wurzel next to a tractor. <laughs> uh, what else is here? Uh, Phil Campbell uh, near Campbellton. Phil Campbellton. Um, there's a few shots of Alice Cooper. Oh, what's Alice Cooper doing on it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and Dane, yeah, just, just friends, general so. like tour and backstage photos. Some cool shots there. Right, then let's, and then uh, yeah. the lyrics on the back and in my version, which somehow is still in it from from nineteen eighty seven, which may be covered on a later podcast, is a flyer for oh. the Eat the Rich Moon. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and apparently if we send a stamp addressed envelope to Nosha Powell for PM campaign, twenty four Ganton Street, London W one, <laughs> we'll get a free Eat the Rich film badge and sticker. So we're going to do that so, after yeah, this. So, yeah, we'll do this after <laughs> this and we'll, we'll report back. First things first, though. Track number one. Let's have a listen to Rock that and roll. Rock and roll. Drop the needle. It's already dropped. All right, then. apparently got flack for like not being as up there in standards of songwriting as other stuff uninspired is the way it gets flown wrong in a lot yeah. of reviews but how inspired does rock and roll songs have to be it's fast cars loose women good times well, that's that's what it's about isn't it this like what's the the look that stuck out to me on it i've never been a one to have no steady girl i love the way i'd live running around the world like, i like to fool around Love to tear him down. And, and when I leave, leave, you love to miss me when I'm yes. gone. I want that written on my fucking tombstone, man. That's a great that's, rock and roll line. That's a great verse. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's a good song, but I I don't think it's up there in terms of like the other just plain, unadulterated rock and roll songs that are on the other albums. I don't know. It's just I just don't like it as much as something like Rocket. But it's in the family of that stuff, isn't yeah. it? It's it's more like the Chuck Berry. Um, what is he, Johnny Hell, Richard Hell, whatever his name is, the Chuck Berry, old school rock and roll, jewel, jangle, the old school. Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> you know, like when they, when they play a set, they're going to play a song about rock and roll, yeah. and like, from the probably 20 of them that they've done over the years, like, you wouldn't be really, with any of them, there's ones which you like more than others, but none of them you'd ever be like, oh, this is, this shit. Now, this is a top, Top 15 for me, I'd say. Top 15. Top 15. I'm going to go back through these at some point <laughs> and write down what's in your top 15, because we're only on, what is it, album number six? Yeah. This sets a good pace for this album, I think, but it's... The thing with this album is that it's not all rock and roll on an album that's called rock and roll, is it? Mm. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> I think... But then you can't write the same song eight times, so what do you, what do, you do? I know, they, they, the titles of Motorhead albums always seem to be a bit... I don't know... Is this? Is it the first? No, it's 
yeah, they're all the ones up to this point are just named after songs on the album. I'm trying to think of when we get to one that's not. Uh, we we've got to do the next one because it's a fucking great song. Yes, Actually, eat yeah, the rich, dude. Next. Yeah. I've always put, I've put a list together, but I've never said what the number one of that list is until now, and I don't know why. I fucking love this song. It's so silly, and it's so fucking juvenile, but it's so ama- amazingly, amusingly funny, and it's got a great riff, and it's got the good vocals, and every part, you can take out just two two lines of that, and it's just a laugh. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I'll, eat, I'll eat you baby you eat me eat two baby get one free Shetland pony extra pepperoni just pick up the phone what does that fucking mean doesn't mean anything uh, but it is at the same time as all this nonsensical madness it's a fucking great point we should eat the rich in the words of the great odorous Arungus rest in peace so scumdog lord eat the rich and kill the poor well fucking that would take care of everything wouldn't it we should just care for everyone who's got too much money and just eat them and just roast them over a spit and devour them whole what do you think of that, man? <laughs> I didn't realise we were getting into political. <laughs> we're getting very political on this. My party, where we will gather up the rich people, put them in pens, take all their wealth, redistribute it amongst the lower classes, and then we'll eat them. Condoning camel- cannibalism yes, as I well. Am. Yes, <laughs> sitting here in my t- sitting here in my high tuxedo. You want to see my bacon torpedo? There are some great lines in this. My favourite is "Side order could be your daughter." Finger licking good. <laughs> It's just every every line. I get it's one of those where it's just it almost could be like one of the list songs where it's everything on a theme. That's true, yeah. So it's, it's just it's pun, Yeah, it's just puns around food and family members, but it's really, really well done. <laughs> Written for a movie, obviously, by mm. the way. If you haven't seen it people, I suggest you do. It's pretty good. Oh, the comic strip. Yeah. Who they thank on the album, along with Bad News. No. We should review the Bad News album at oh, one stage. Maybe, yeah. Uh, that's another thing people should check out if they haven't seen it. You can f- probably find Torrance for that, and the album itself is pretty good. Yeah, so it was uh, written like exactly for the movie, but it tripped on this album anyway. There's a single for it, which is pretty good as well. <laughs> but not the official the single. single for the album, though. 
Is it not? Well, no. Was it? Because we know from the, the Wikipedia entry that there was some debate over what the single should be. But ah, right. Does it say what the single was? Single was Eat the Rich, yeah? So that's what yeah. they settled on. No, I, th- I thought you meant by that, like, that that came out to tie in with the movie and not to promote the album. It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Gee, that's not and right. As much as I do love this fucking song, I love the fucking album cover even better. A single which Matt very graciously got me for my birthday because he's a, a good shopper. And I have it pointed right up there on my motorhead wall looking at me. It's fucking badass. I'm going to put a cover, a picture of it up on the Instagram and the Twitters and all that. And it's got the original price on <laughs> the it. The original HMV sticker price. <laughs> £3.29. HMV was selling singles at one point. That's crazy. Like I mean, 12 inch vinyls. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> it's gone so fucking full circle. Like they got rid of all that. Then they got CDs in, and then they got rid of all the CDs and sell DVDs. And now, when you go in there now, it's fucking vinyls. Are they? Vinyls and pop vinyls. They're very close to, to going under again oh, now. Yeah, so very close. close. Next year, probably, you know mm. what I mean? But that's their problem. <laughs> um, what, a, what a great song. I can't gush enough about how much I love this. It's something that just spoke to me as a, as a weird 16 year old kid that stuck with me as a weird 33 year old man. A good rock and roll tune. And we should eat all the rich people. It's just a shame it was never kept. In the set all the way to the end. Because I think, it, like, even if it was just every other tour, people love this song. I've never seen it live. No. Quite upset by that. Never gone in, no. Never gone in. No. But we can't dwell on the past forever. We should move on. So we should move on to the next track. Oh, this is, this album takes a proper dive from here. Mmm, black ass, yeah. <laughs> It's a bit, it's a bit generic. It's a bit. Actually, actually what isn't even it about? Um, it's kind of like he is the black heart in question. Where he's like, look, accept me as I am. I know I'm a bit of a prick. I know I I can be a black hearted son of a bitch, but I'm also the best black hearted son of a bitch you're ever gonna meet. So fuck all y'all. No black heart. What do you think of me, black heart? What do you want to believe? The dark sides, all you want to see implying that there's another side but then they it just lets itself fucking down at the end there where it's what does it say uh i'll be the bad guy in the movie of your life just thank you lucky stars i didn't use a knife and that this this is like 12 hour stuff is what this is it's like we need to yeah. get this track done let me come on put something together i know it's, it's a shame because like the, the riff's quite good but it'd be suited more because I think you made the point just as we put this on that it's four minutes. Four, three. And it doesn't really change that much apart from when it starts chugging. 
and that's about it. And it's a bit, <clears throat> it's a bit long to just have this one riff for. Yeah, and then the guitar solo just drops in there, and I don't think it feels very natural either. It's it's not sat very well in there, is it? It's not mixed in there very well. The other thing I hate as well is the backing vocals. I can't. It's. They just don't fit. They're no. really jarring. Like We've got the Ambient Brothers to think to the thank for that. The Ambient Brothers. The Ambient, as in like the is it, is it like a painkiller or something? Ambient. Oh yeah. Let me have a look. It says in here because this is where they also thank Neil Warnock, who's now manager of Cardiff City. A time record. <laughs> <laughs> Probably had someone else in two weeks. No, the Anadin Brothers. The Anadin Brothers, okay. The Anadin. So, uh, he's not thanking oh, the, the drug Anadin Ambience. Brothers. <laughs> Whoever they are. Yeah, Everyone's apologies to the Ambien Brothers, <laughs> if they exist. <laughs> yeah, best leave that one be then, innit? So, uh, Stone Death in the USA, man. You know, that's that's pretty good, right? That's a good song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, John, I was a bit premature to say the quality drops after Eat the Rich. It dropped there. Yeah, 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 but it's gonna go back up. Flying up in a silver ghost Love to be back in Los Angeles LAX, what a sight to see Stone bugs swimming, crazy days Table hopping at the Rainbow Bay Stone dead in the USA Stone dead in the USA That's a weird outro I, do, I like it. I think it could do it going on longer because it kind of. You could do another bar or two. Yeah, I, I wouldn't it. mind it if it was four minutes longer if there was stuff like that going on, I suppose. That's a good song, man. Uh, it's. it's Again, it's the lo- the rock and roll vibe thing, the Chuck Berry thing. You get a lot of. So it's almost like a sister song to We Are the Road Crew. Yeah. As well, because it's almost like less than all the places they're going in, like how. I'd love to love to get there and love to see the rainbow in LA yeah. and then go to shake your ass in San Francisco uh, and then you know have to I leave all of a I can't remember who it was that said I think it was Rollins when he was talking about Lemmy and it was like you've got to like, appreciate the fact that this is a kid from Wales who just grew up listening to these these old records who thought like like the idea of seeing all these places must have been insane to him. Like, this is so long ago. Like, he wouldn't have seen pictures of this. He just would have heard the name San Francisco and yeah. just had to, like, look up in a book or some shit. And he actually gets there and he's traveling the place, seeing all these sites, making these music, banging groupies, doing drugs. The life he must have been living at this six album points as well. I know, because, like, what is, when's the first US tour? Is it after Ace of Speeds? Yeah. So he must have done, like, three or four US tours since then. He's, he's just kind of he's just almost in love with the place but at this point he'll know all the places to go to as well I like to say this is the first mention of the rainbow so he, yeah. like, he knows where, he, where moves he needs out. to be he moves out after this album because he lived across from the rainbow didn't he yeah. for well what, what's this 87 so he moved there about 88 until 2015 wow 
But yeah, it's an, it's an interesting mention, like, just the, the little places that he, he does include to get mentioned. Even, even like, now at this stage, the rainbow is, like, really special. Mm. And got a statue there. Yeah, yeah, there is now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, you know, it's everyone knows that he lives across, he lived across the road from a rainbow, like, in the 2000s and everything. But, like, this is this is the very first mention of it, just, that, like, on an actual motorhead record at all. I think that's dead cool that it's, like, thinking enough of it to include it in there and then spending. It paints the, <laughs> the, the place with, like, a great golden optimism as well. Yeah. Like, he's, he's really making it look like... Like the USA of all that you used to think about when you were a kid as well. Like, oh, the place with Disneyland and all the movies it would be cool to go there. As opposed to when you think of USA now and you think, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope they stay there and don't come over here. Yeah, it's very. It's got a. It's like a nostalgic feel. Yeah, it does it. nostalgic. It's it's a nice song. It is a nice song. Pretty, I like pretty, it. Good, I... Pretty tune. I I don't think I'd ever put it on like, a playlist or anything. No, I mean, if I did, it'd be very. No low end playlist. <laughs> I I like it. Like I, I really like the pre-chorus in there. It's like I I can't say enough. I like pre-choruses. I think, like, just in general, they're underappreciated because people remember great verses or great choruses. Yeah. But if you have a great build-up like this has got, that makes sense. Yeah, when it's and it's not even that much. It's just it's just ringing the chords out. But it adds so much more than just playing the riff until mm. you get to the chorus. It's just it's just a big fan of stuff like that, and um and yeah this this, this actually the next track might be my favorite <laughs> on the album, but this is this is probably it's a toss up for me between Eat the Rich and this as my two favorite songs of the album. Let's have a, a listen to that next quote unquote track. track. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord! It's on, I, I, does it can't, I mean, we're doing an album high. thing, so it's on the album. Who was made? <laughs> The blades of grass. I want to leave this whole thing recording. Little tiny things that creep therein. <laughs> that hath made the cricket bats. Who has made hankies. Who has made... All things. <laughs> all things. Bless thou these people from Motorhead. <laughs> that they may so verily endow the people of this planet with pleasure and enjoyment, that, yea, they may verily increase fourfold their already large sums of loot and enable them here in this life to purchase maybe one other pair of trousers each. <laughs> o Lord, thou who hast seen the trouserless and had compassion, look down upon them. Thank you. Is that, that's, that's pretty weird, isn't it? So Michael Palin like owned the studio. Yes, he, I know we we didn't mention that at the start yeah. because we knew it was just coming up. And it came up in conversation, and then he was like, "Oh, I'm I love Monty Python. Can you get him down here?" And Michael Palin just popped down. <laughs> I can't see Michael Palin being a motorhead fan. I d- I just like the thing where it's like, "Can you record something?" It's like, "I'll oh, give me lots of cathedral." And then just, <laughs> it just recorded that. It's brilliant. Did he just wing that? I don't, I've got a feeling he might have. <clears throat> Michael Palin's a fucking interesting dude, isn't he? He is. I mean... It says written, writ, writer's Michael Palin on the Wikipedia, so... I wouldn't be surprised if Moe had had some sort of input, because for some reason, you probably, again, do another episode on this, Phil Taylor seems to be obsessed with trousers. <laughs> it's a funny word, trousers. It is. Like it's one he, of those he English was, things, isn't it? He's talking about when he originally left the band because his wooden trousers, the, the hinges had rusted. <laughs> he couldn't bend them at the knees. 
And then there's this, oh, and there's God. other mentions of trousers <laughs> from him throughout the years. But, but it's just a, it's just a stupid and loser. It's a nice, it's a nice thing where because even on the lyric sheets and on the back of the album, it shows Stone Deaf in the USA as being the last song on that side. Okay. So people might, if they were quick to flip it, because there's not that much of a gap between them. But if they just flip the record, they might have missed this entirely. I mean, this is before we get to, like, obviously, Secret Tracks. And some of the stuff that Python's done is brilliant on yeah. Secret Tracks. I have got one of the, oh, I think it's another Monty Python record where there's a secret, there's a groove at the end of the track which puts it back mm-hmm. onto the thing. So on at the end of the side, Michael Palin says, oh, I've scratched the record. And then there's a scratch noise, at which point, the groove jumps the needle back to the point. Oh no, I've scratched the record <laughs> and it just keeps going and going and going. It's amazing. Is that the only spoken word thing on a Motorhead album? Apart from Serial Killer on Hammered, which is like Ooh. Lemmy doing a, like a gothic poem of his. There I mean, are... I'm trying to think. I know... There's Don't Let Daddy from... Kiss Me on... I know it's not acoustic. That's a song, really, isn't it? Yeah. Apart from the bits before the song's home when it's just like people yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it might be. Anyway, it's... Oh, this is the first guest, vo- guest vocal. Quotes, <laughs> since, <laughs> um, since Bomber, is it? And um, Eddie Clark You call it guest vocals, like, but sure. No, but like, uh, so it does someone doing vocals other than Levy. Yeah. Then. Let's, since uh, Bomber, it's let's, amazing. Let's flip this disc, man, because I'm, I'm curious. To what we have spent an awful happen. lot of time talking about the secret track with Michael Payne. <laughs> Alright, so the album's flipped. Listen to The Wolf. why they get called a, a metal band at times but again <laughs> yeah. this album's called rock and exactly this <laughs> we were just saying how what what a throwback this is like let said that he wanted to make an album that was a throwback like the old rock and roll so well the idea of this was to go back to the old sound because like, i guess we tried before it was when they were trying different shit and people were like oh i don't know about that yeah so it's like okay how about some more of the old kind of stuff and they're like oh i don't know about yeah. that it's like well, what do you want one of the only notes of interest in the actual recording process of this is that it's from the first album they use like full Marshall stacks to record mm. so it is giving you like the live rock and roll kind of feel yeah, right. I don't know that but 
again, this is like this is like the future of rock and roll, really, isn't it? I wouldn't say that because this is eighty-seven. Well, it's ahead of the times. Like, it, this is what well, rock and roll is going to sound like because rock and roll just turns into metal. No, I suppose, it? yeah, but I thought I thought you meant as like a proto thrash thing, but so thrash like, is already about at this point. Isn't yeah, it? even Testament are about by this point. Yeah, even. Um, Interesting little number about a wolf at the door. Uh, you know, the wolf is at your door. The wolf, the wolf. It's a, it's a common thing, isn't it? For let me talk about wolves and everything because they even pop up on Inferno later on. I'm sure they do. The year of the wolf. You're thinking yes. of yeah. It's a good, it's, so a it's good image. You know, it's a, it's a, a powerful yet desperate creature because it's one that hunts to survive. Mm. You know, it's part of the pack, but it can also be a lone wolf, and either way, it's going to do some fucking damage. But yeah, it's a, it's another it's another one with like just a simple pre-chorus, just a key change, it just works. It just works. It's just a nice transition into the. I mean, this isn't this is my favorite song by any stretch of the imagination. It's cool. It's sure. It's, I won't. It's all right, but I wouldn't necessarily put it on a playlist. Yeah, I I, well, I agree with the message of the song more than the song itself. There's, there's stuff in there that really speaks to me, like you know, uh, the world's forgotten when it fits its glove. Uh, don't let the, don't you rely on passers-by. They'd sooner look the other way and let you die. The wolf is at your door, so it's just saying like, take care of yourself, which is very much my motto in life. So I was a bit confused at the start of this because it's quite dark in here, and I misread the first line. <laughs> it said, "I've never seen the Evil Dead." <laughs> and it's like that's quite surprising. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's going to just talk about what movies he has to see <laughs> as opposed to metaphorical wolves. So, Traitor is the next one up. I can't really remember Traitor much, to be honest with you. Hmm. Well, that's traitor, probably... Traitor, that's the chorus. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is what they wanted to be the single. Well, this is Why? what they... <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Because rock and roll is such a fucking great tune. Is that the review? <laughs> Three minutes seventeen. Fell longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. It, my problem with this song is that it's not just because you got the power. That don't mean you got the right. Mm. Because it's essentially the same message, the same topic, but just because you got the power, that don't mean you got the right. It's a thousand times better. It is. And that, just because you got the power doesn't mean you got the right. It's one of the the best fucking songs of the motorhead. I know. It's like, in I, my humble opinion, I can't really understand why it's not on it. It um, is a long song. I, it's I seven that. minutes, yeah. but I mean, they took up a, a minute and a half on the other side with Michael Palin just <laughs> spouting. To... There's just nothing really to take away from the lyrics. They're, they're not bad. It's just, it's fine. We give you blood and steel. We break you on the reel. We dismember you. We shall remember you. It's it's fine. It's 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 fine. 
the thing the thing I don't like about it is a bit jarring because we were talking about on the last song about how like you can really tell like Phil's getting into his groove with the drums again because mm-hmm. it, it is like the double bass and then this comes in it's like for three minutes yeah it doesn't really change at all and the drums are just a bit it feels like it's laboured when you make the noise of the instruments as opposed to hearing the instruments you can hear how like it's forced it feels really forced it doesn't flow at all it's it's not like anything grace unfortunately uh, again, not a not a bad song. There, I don't say there say there are any bad songs. There's different songs. You know, very polite way of putting it. Yes, everyone <laughs> gets a medal. <laughs> but you know, the next song is one of my favourite songs. Is it? No. Uh, <laughs> what is the next song? Um, the dogs. slow for my liking it's just it's just a bit slow and lumbering i like the lyrics it's yeah it's much in the main vein of the stuff from sacrifices and it's you know the, the the war machine and how we open its jaws and feed it with our babies etc etc it's it, it's almost at the point though where you you play so many of those songs back to back and it's like yeah yeah it's, <laughs> you it's know? another pop of religion is as well in it yeah it's, 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 it's popping everyone it's fine. It's, everyone's a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you just want to hear the rock and roll songs because you get sick of, you know, you want to escape the real world where everyone is a bastard and all religion and wars are terrible and stuff. And you just want to hear songs about rock and roll, which is why you'd buy an album called Rock and Roll. And then there's, <laughs> like if you put this side on first, <laughs> it's a very downbeat B side, isn't it? Yeah, the side two is just again like going back to. I'm a big fan of like when a band plans an album and like doesn't just think about the individual song, but how it'll work in the context of a full album. Just this side's just feels like that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like let's put all the good stuff at the front to get everyone sort of up and bouncing, and then if they do make it to the end of that side to turn it over, then you know, good luck to them. Yeah, I think there's a lot of work's been put into this song. Like, there's a lot in the arrangement there, and the lyrics aren't just trash. Like, it is a well-written song. It's just it doesn't really spark as anything fun or like memorable because it's so fucking downbeat and yeah unhappy. <laughs> I like the the end of the the last verse 
when they just keep it on going in the extender. You're <laughs> an interesting song isn't it for a motorhead song it is and after saying i can't remember hearing this song gone back and looked on the phone that has the album in and it's not there it ain't there so this is the first time i've heard the song i think in it must be years yes I, this is something that i think i listened to more when i was a younger man because it was like oh well this is what a, this is what a song sounds like it's got like that catchy annoying chorus yeah i like it it's pretty good <laughs> it's so it's it's a nice surprise, really, you know? But there must have been people at the time who were just fucking livid that it existed because it's such a... It's, it's a poppy song. It's a proper like, power rock thing, yeah, isn't it? Compared yeah. to like some of the other stuff on this album. There's with no Killer bit, Wolves or anything in this, is there? With, with a bit... If they just spent like another few hours on this, it's going to be like really the, cool. The stuff with the, the double voiceover on the chorus there, yeah. with the high-pitched, whatever you'd call that on there, that's interesting. Yeah. You know? that, that would turn a few heads, musically. Yeah. And just the way the, the chord progression goes, it really fits with the lyrics, like soaring and flying. Mm. Like, yeah, I like this. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's a good imagery song, you know. That's exactly the kind of shit that would have sold well if people with big hair were singing it. But it's also it, its own... It's, it's, it's definitely it's a Motorhead to, song still. Yeah, it's... but it's funny to hear Lemmy saying all this stuff. Like, it is a love song when we've just had so many songs that are about, like, you know, I don't need you, I don't need anyone, look at my dick. <laughs> you know? It's it's still got the pace of the Motorhead song, though, so I wouldn't say it's, like, a, a complete betrayal of style. No. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it betrays the style. Oh, I think it fits in quite well. Maybe not at this point on this album, but as is a song in the Motorhead catalogue. I like it, man. It reads well. Try to fly, but we climbed too high. Saw it all, we had to fall. But I swear it's true, was all for you. I swear it's true, was all for you. That's some Brian Adams shit right there. It man. is. <laughs> Lemon was a damn good songwriter. Not enough credit. Yeah, being able to pull this out, uh, which, judging from its position on the album and the fact that people... Before really... a song called Boogeyman. <laughs> and after a song called Dogs. About how everyone's dogs... <laughs> And he's got that nice one. Yeah, in the and, and traitor as well. <laughs> before that, to just set people up like traitors, dogs. <laughs> Weird thing to put on a B side, I suppose. But there you go. I yeah, think it's like, one of those things they made just for to keep their record company happy. <laughs> thinking about it, like, right, let me grab the track list now. You got ten official tracks. Well, nine including nine. You could have had like the wolf, then 
dogs just because you got the power and they actually take Boogeyman out of there as well. But yeah, it's oh, this is dead weird. Because <laughs> um, nothing, nothing fits. We can't fit. We can't even fit just because you got the power in. No. Without cutting like a load of songs. Um, no. Cut Traitor and Boogeyman and put just because you got the power on and then put this maybe on the A side <laughs> and change the pale and track to the B side. That might that yeah. is plastering over the cracks like but... <laughs> <laughs> well would that we had a time machine let's let's finish this up with boogeyman eh? let's see what the boogeyman's about talked about like ways to end an album and everything don't like ending with fade out and it, like oh. make it something big and this is just just, just like dude <laughs> <laughs> that whole song is like i guess you know because rock and roll was also boogie woogie before it was rock and roll you know 1950s sock hop music it's kind of what he's calling back to maybe but in terms of an actual song, I'd I'd like that. Or if it was like just one of those things that was dropped in the middle of a set, it's like, oh yeah, I remember this. This is a good little move about too, but it without having to mosh too, without getting hurt. <laughs> it's it's not one of the all time greats though. This shouldn't be closing the album. It's not an album closer. No, no I wouldn't say it's an album closer. But it did close the album, and the album is closed. <laughs> so what what are your thoughts overall on rock and roll then? Great A side. <laughs> There's, there's some some things to take away from the beat. There's this one I'd say. There's three, maybe four tracks to take away, but one of those tracks is Michael Palin. Yeah. Um, it's the segue album that's needed to get to the next points. Oh, there's a few segue albums coming though. <laughs> there's a few segue albums coming until we get to something. So you got to pick one song from this album that's not Michael Palin. What are you gonna have? Uh, probably Stone Death in the USA. Really? Oh, well. I quite I quite like that song. I think it's um I think it's the it's a, it's a really tough choice between that and Eat the Rich because you can tell a lot more thought and effort's gone into both of those songs, <laughs> from, like musically and lyrically. And like Boogie Man is, it's just one of those songs that uh, encapsulates the. So, 
it's the double-edged sword, isn't it, with Motorhead? It's like they go in and they, it's like two, three weeks and they hammer out an album. Yep. And like there'll be, you'll get some, some all-time classics doing that way. But you do end up with a lot of stinkers. Yeah, and <laughs> unfortunately, this is an album where there's a lot more of that than there are like great songs. But I mean, this lineup's still bedding in. It's it's Phil and Wurzel's second album, is it? Mm-hmm. And like, I really think it takes them quite a long time to to get running, as in producing consistently good albums. They produce a lot of good songs, but you know, after this, we've got 1916, which I think is very hit and miss as well. There's March or Die, which is that'll be a very interesting album when it comes to it, just because. It's so choppy, changey. Like even even down to the lineup, there's different lineups played on different songs. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Like it actually came out, but I've I've always said it with this lineup, or at least with Phil coming in the band. I think they really start coming into their own when they release Bastards, yeah. and you know you've got Orgasmatron, Rock and Roll, 1916 and march or die before mm. we get to that point and it is you know people talk about this era as being a bit stagnant for motorhead there's a few good albums and there's a few good songs but there is a lot of a lot of mediocre stuff to get to before you start getting to the really good stuff again well in my humble opinion um it's a fine album like i i've i wouldn't slate that as being like one of those things I would never put on a, a list. I would never put on a... One of those things I would never go on my way list to. I, I think there's some stuff on there that's worth remembering. Some of those songs should live on. If not just Eat the Rich being the fantastic number that it is. You know, Rock and Roll. Uh, Dogs is a really important song. And again, for, for the fourth or fifth time, just because you got the power, that don't mean you got the rights, is a fantastic song. It is, but it's the B-side. 